gentlemen this is it it's all good man the better better call Saul podcast my name is brian and with me as always is dave with no pause dave how's it going i was gonna say man i was gonna address the no pause well i figured um in preview with the prior i broke my own record for longest pauses like four times in one episode so i figured i would give everybody a reprieve and we wouldn't have to do the pause ah i like it no i'm just sitting here in the dark waiting for him all to right. arrive all right. Yeah. Speaking of which, no, uh, no nacho this episode again. Is that two in a row? Yes, at least. Michael yeah. Mando must be. Uh, Michael Mando must be demanding a huge guarantee if they're trying to save money by keeping him out of two episodes. <laughs> there was like, it's like a holdout, like an NFL holdout. Mm-hmm. Well, what they, what they'll do that a lot, like because um, the folks get paid per episode that they're in so if they're not in an episode also that probably no, means that there's probably no, featured a, featured actors get mm-hmm. paid for the whole if they get they get credited for the whole season and paid for the mm-hmm. whole season like you'll see nacho in the credits even though he didn't appear in the episode gotcha well then maybe there's a huge nacho episode coming up probably i think they're gonna do something like that and i mean mm-hmm. he's kind of just off the grid right now yeah so what, I mean, what are you gonna write like you're just gonna show him waiting in dark rooms yeah yeah. yeah, wait. He's sitting in a dark room right now, waiting for his moment to shine. It would be like we'd just be watching Nacho watching Better Call Saul. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's start with this episode 406. Holy shit. Episode 406. So now we're over the halfway point. Yeah. So 407, 408, 409. Yeah. Four episodes left. Way to count, Brian. Thank you. Way Thank to count. you. And, I, and you, uh, I would like to point out you used your fingers. I did. I did. Just to make sure my math was correct. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. Name of this episode is what, Dave? Pinata. Pinata. Okay. Here we Which go. Which is funny because uh, the day I watched this episode, I had to go to my cousin's daughter's birthday party where my cousin's job is to. Birthday party. Okay. Cousin's daughter. daughter's birthday yeah, I have, party. I have, okay. this, I have a cousin, which is my, uh-huh. my mother's sister's daughter. Okay. And she Got has it. a daughter. Uh-huh. And then her daughter had a birthday. Uh-huh. Well, my cousin's daughter had a birthday. Okay. Not my cousin's daughter's daughter. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, that, is, yeah. uh, that is less confusing to me than counting to four <laughs> on my fingers. <laughs> but yeah, my job is to run the pinata. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of funny. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, see, it was just uh, life imitating art, imitating life. Imitating art. Indeed. All right. So we open up with Jimmy and Kim in the mailroom. Yeah, Jimmy's going around handing out mail and taking mm-hmm. in his bets for the Oscar pool. Yeah, smart move. If you're going to make money, man, he has like a captive audience and people like to bet on stupid things. So, right. so. <laughs> Well, it's so. also a clever way to establish the year mm-hmm. because yeah, this was okay. the 1993 Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, go ahead. you know, I got to be honest, even though this is like our retake of this section on this podcast, uh, as soon as I saw this episode and they were talking about uh, the Oscars and such, I knew that you were going to be all about it or at least look up some of the winners. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Yeah. You are right. 
Uh, okay. For example, Emma Thompson mm-hmm. did in fact win Best Actress. Although I don't find her, I don't find her pragmatic. I actually think she's impractical and unrealistic. Well, you know what? She has an Oscar and you don't. So three points to her. So far, Emma Thompson's in, in the lead on the podcast. Very <laughs> I think nice. She's Sorry. got more than one Oscar, actually. She's Oh man, six points. Emma Thompson is, really is running away with it. <laughs> you yeah. know what? I'm just gonna call it right now. Emma Thompson won this podcast. Good. So uh congrats to Emma Thompson, and I'll be sure to tag her on Twitter uh to let her know. <laughs> just so <laughs> her Twitter handlers are like, who the fuck are these people? All right. I like it. I like it. All right, moving uh, did on. You- did you notice, I can't remember the co-worker's name, the one who was having trouble with the documentary short? No. Which, by the way, Educating Peter was the winner of that. Um, okay. The, he's like, you're you're all in on Howard's End, huh? Mm. Howard's End? Nice. Huh? That's clever. Foreshadowing like and trickery, for sure. And sh- she might have won, because Howard's End took home three Oscars, including mm. Best Art Direction. Uh huh. Best screenplay based right on, on material previously published. Mm-hmm. And best actress, Emma Thompson. All right. All right. Way cool. Okay. Emma That's Thompson. Right. Just uh, this is a blowout. Blowout for Emma Thompson on this uh, podcast. That's right. And uh, I did appreciate the um, El Pacino Hua reference because I made that mm. reference not more than I think two episodes ago. Uh, you know what? I actually th- <laughs> I actually thought of that too. And what struck me about this episode, a lot of stuff we've been saying or half-ass predicting or just joking around about actually kind of came true in this yeah. episode, which makes it kind of hilarious. There were several times I sat down and thought, holy crap, Dave and I joked about that. <laughs> Dave I and I talked about that, yeah. I mean, well, maybe we're going to kill Al Pacino because we just killed Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. We killed <laughs> Burt Reynolds. We Look out, Al. <laughs> and uh, Emma... <laughs> Although on the bright side, Emma Thompson might win another Oscar because because uh, she won this podcast. So big ups to her once again. I think winning um, our podcast is much more prestigious than winning an Oscar. It would mean more to me. <laughs> it would mean more than me. <laughs> you know, so, he, one of the main things that struck me as funny during the whole scene where Jimmy's collecting money for the ballots is how he would flip over the box mm-hmm. to put money and then flip it back over to hide it to make it look like a package. Right. I like to think he had a label on the back side of the package to... <laughs> I didn't catch it in the view, but I like to think Jimmy's the kind of guy that would go full bore with that and make a fake label so it can't be questioned at all. Uh, Kim's obviously taking the job seriously. She's actually running around doling out the mail without any, uh, well, I guess without any enterprises running in the background. Well, she's hustling, and this is really get into not-so-subtle clues i guess as to maybe what might happen to her which means they might go a different direction later because they like to do that to us Mm -hmm. but yeah it definitely shows the difference between the two characters Mm -hmm. and the opposite the track thing which we addressed in preview with a prior paul abdul right and uh (laughs) paul abdul uh, (laughs) jimmy just cannot care less with kim's explaining the epicness of chuck's win right well i think i mean does he no he doesn't because he, he gives, stops her and says, give me the big picture. Don't bear me the details because right. I can't follow him anyway. He, yeah, even he, got, he even got who was wrong, like who was on the Isaacson, you know, was on their side, but he thought it was on the other side. Mm-hmm. So. It was good to see Michael McKeon. Yeah, I put an exclamation point after his name. There was something oddly <laughs> off-putting. There was something oddly off-putting about his dye job on his eyebrows and his hair, though. Yeah, I, I, I noticed he looked a lot douchier. 
<laughs> right. You know. Right. And it's yeah, I don't know. It 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 it's like they didn't do any makeup on his face. Yeah, it was but, weird. I don't know. But did the hair, right? That's how I felt it looked. And I think I, they, it, it looked like they smoothed out his face a little bit, actually. Really? You think so? I, I think, think it just looked like Michael McKean just with just weird ginger-esque hair. And fuller eyebrows. Yeah, right? It really made his eyebrows pop. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I definitely don't know. on fleek, is, as the kids from six years ago said. <laughs> yes, eyebrows on fleek. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. a question, though. Uh, which is douchier looking, Michael McKean in, uh, as early Chuck or Michael McKean in Airheads. Mm. Mm. I'd say early Chuck, and I think that's probably by design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they made him look like your typical douchebag lawyer. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's he's totally uh, <laughs> uh, his total annoyance of Jimmy, who doesn't even understand who their client is. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the the patronizing, like, yeah, yeah, Jimmy, you know. Yeah, yeah, good one, Jim. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> nice, nice, nice joke, you you male monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Male jockey. Sorry. Yeah, so great. Uh, Isaacson was. Uh, yeah, was the there. Isaacson case. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, and then as he was walking off, as Chuck was walking, Howard comes in and says, Hey, we're all like, Yeah, young Howard, who also looks just like now Howard. Yeah, I was going to um, say, Fabian didn't age. Like, that's just the same. They're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you haven't aged in 25 years. So just, you know, right. we're just going to throw a suit <laughs> on you. And- Why? Why start now? <laughs> <laughs> Why start now? Right. Um, so the nerd in me. When Chuck walks off and he talks about Mr. Bushnell, I was just kind of secretly hoping that he, he was talking about like Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Chuck E. Cheese's. It's Bushmills, Brian. Bushnell. It's Bushmills. It's an Irish yeah, whiskey. Well, oh, well, I'm going <laughs> I'm going with Bushnell, the creator of Chuck E. Cheese. Is it really Bushmills? Yeah, because my first thought was like, oh, I'm more of a Tullamore Dew kind of a guy. But yeah, Bushmills, I didn't know that. Bushmills is a, a whiskey, so they're saying we're gonna go celebrate with shots of whiskey. Mr. Bushmills is waiting for you. Ah, got it. Okay. Kind of okay. like, remember back in college when uh, I was all upset about my homework one night, and my roommate says, "Dave, you got an appointment with Doctor Beam." Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, I woke up on the bathroom floor five hours later. Nice. Okay. Doctor okay. Beam. So uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that turn of phrase. Uh, I got you. Well, I hate whiskey because it tastes like turpentine. <laughs> so I was just like. Sweet, sweet you know, turpentine. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd rather drink some uh, Bartles and James <laughs> Bartles and James Fuzzy Naval Wine Coolers. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to hear Brian do eight shots of Malort, turn in and <laughs> go listen to our Super Bowl Spectacular episode. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. Um, okay, so I, I, I didn't pick up on the whole whiskey, whiskey drinking thing. I think I was probably taking notes. Um, Sorry but, to ruin your joke uh, about Chuck E. Cheese. No, because I, I no, it's okay. I was just kind of thinking that in, in my interpretation of it, because I didn't hear them talking about the whiskey thing, mm-hmm. is man, my thought was, man, Chuck's so hardcore. He's just he just won a major victory and he's like, bam, on to the next case. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I kind of really <laughs> liked, which I thought was admirable and awesome, you know, and I now he's just maybe- going to get drunk, which is admirable and awesome. So, <laughs> I, so I guess say, it all works out. Maybe it would be more in line with Chuck's character to just start on another case. Right. Okay. That's like not Dan. The case. Like Dan Gable. Who? Dan Gable. He was a. Uh, he was a multi-time. He's one of the most successful wrestlers in college history. And the day after he won the NCAA championship, uh, he got up at five thirty in the morning and ran like twenty miles to start preparing for the Olympics. That's the day after he won the national championship. Well, who doesn't yeah. do that? I remember in high school we we, uh, 
we won a game by 20 points and had to do like a bunch of laps around the field goal post to get ready for the next opponent. <laughs> Coaches said we won the game too easily. Huh? So, yeah, I've oh. been there. I've been there. Game day. <laughs> right. Still yeah. in uniform. Crowds still in the stands, and we're doing wind sprints to prepare for the next football game. Yeah. Apples to apples. Apples to apples. <laughs> totally the same thing. <laughs> totally the same thing. Uh, phone opening. Lots of gray. Phone in the desert. Anything to Wait, add hold on. to that? Hold on. Back up. <laughs> I, I really like the part where Jimmy says, that'll be you soon. And Jim, Kim just goes, yep. Yeah, that was awesome. I yeah. like that a whole bunch. Yeah, that was totally, I don't know. It was great. I, so, so some of my notes on that, it's almost like you can, you can tell that she is so infatuated with Chuck. She she admires him profusely. Like that's who she wants to be. Yeah, and that's really coming through in this episode too, with the whole public defender and doing what mm-hmm. I love and right. You know, she she doing what's right, which is so weird that she's with Jimmy and why my mm-hmm. theory is probably wrong, and she'll just end up leaving him. Yeah, yeah, man. I had this whole theory worked out that maybe her attraction to Jimmy is that hope that. One day Jimmy will kind of come and come around and realize he's a McGill, and kind of have the same passion for the law. She wants to bang Chuck vicariously. Yeah, she wants to turn Jimmy into Chuck, so then she can date and be with Chuck. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I literally Not bad. I like that theory. That's I mean, I mean, women are fixers. That that's all psychology, right? Like, right. <laughs> like re- Freudian not- psychology without the cocaine. I'm assuming is Chuck's probably with Rebecca still at this point. Yeah. Right? What's the next best thing? His brother. His brother. For sure, he's a little rough around the edges and can seem aloof at times, but still, he's uh, he's putting in the work in the mailroom, albeit through his own special brand of work. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's <laughs> working still, quotation marks. Mm-hmm, yeah, but he's still uh, working towards the goal of being a lawyer, and he is a McGill, and Chuck's a McGill, and obviously... They're brothers, so you know they they probably have a ton in common. Right? Oh yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. Well, here's the right? thing, and this is what I thought of. Mm-hmm. He might not have been on the path to becoming a lawyer yet. Who, Jimmy? So that's what that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking this because the when he walks into the library at the end of the scene, it's like watching how much respect Chuck had for Kim after that one meeting because she's working so hard. Mm-hmm. Then that's maybe the moment he decided to be a lawyer. Hmm. You know, that's when he's walking by the library and he's like, oh, let me go read a book. Yeah, that's excellent. Maybe I should work a little bit at this. Exactly. Um, that's that's really great because I was going to bring that up to you and say, why why do you think he ducked into the library? I think this is what started his path of lawyership. Which is totally Mm. a word that I did not just make up right now. Nice. (laughs) So so you're saying his, his thought process so she, Kim, is infatuated with Chuck, and Jimmy mm-hmm. likes Kim. Kim, right? And therefore, and therefore, Kim wants to turn Jimmy into Chuck, but also Jimmy wants to turn himself into Chuck. But Jimmy mm-hmm. half asses and takes a shortcut through everything. So he right. wants to put on the appearance, of, the appearance of him becoming Chuck without actually mm-hmm. becoming Chuck because he doesn't want to be Chuck. But Kim wants a, a Chuck. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck chuck? <laughs> All right. I like it. I dig it. Okay, cool. Cool. Right on. Said chuck way too many times there. B 
Yeah, so just go ahead and go through and edit out every uh, stupid thing I said before this because your theory sounded way better, more eloquent than anything I've said in the past. <laughs> well, I got to do something. Minutes. You know, I've been kind of pedestrian lately. Yeah, no, I I, I like that a lot. I because I was gonna I was, my response to that as I watched, it, I was like, huh, that's interesting. But that's that's a good point. We kind of hashed that out. You know, Kim Kim and Myers Chuck. And uh, can't have Chuck. Jimmy likes Kim, or at least the idea of Kim, like the type of woman that Kim is. Right, right, right. And, and well, Kim um, likes the idea of Chuck, so Jimmy could mm-hmm. kind of fulfill that idea. Yeah, it's like the guy that picks up tennis to win over the tennis playing chick that he has a crush on. That's essentially what that is. Kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah. Okay, I dig it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Okay. I thought of it, so fuck yeah, I like it. No, that's great. All right, <laughs> moving on. We do the the phone opening. Lots of uh, lots of gray, all that good stuff. Uh, after four years, we're still discussing the opening <laughs> thing, as if anything is going to change. Vertical hole uh, goes out a little bit. And did you notice that the theme song cuts off in the middle of a note? My gosh! If you're curious about that, pull up our episode where we interviewed Dave Porter, the music guy for yeah. Better Call Saul. You know what's actually uh, I did notice about the opening credits is that they're all different on every episode. They're different. Have I know. you noticed that? It's almost like they're different every episode, and then they're also the same number corresponding, in, like the same order every season. Hmm. Weird. You know, it'd be really weird is if they started messing with like the vertical hold and the color integrity of the, of the yeah, intros like they, they make it like it gets more and more black and white every season. And mm-hmm. a little and a little grainier, like a little more vertical hold every season. Yeah, I don't be- think they would do. I don't think they would do that because then podcasters and people on Reddit would start having insane theories about what that could symbolize. Right, probably a bad yeah. idea. But yeah, you know, dumb. if Nike's shown us anything, it's it's do whatever you want to get people talking about your product. That's true. That's true. I'm uh, I'm taking a knee right now as we podcast. <laughs> we didn't sing the national anthem though yet. No, I took a knee through the theme song. <laughs> All right, we start the episode proper with uh, present-day Kim working on the legalities of the Mesa Verde statue, which I guess would be a replica of that giant horse cowboy thing that they have in the lobby of, uh, of their headquarters. Yeah, it seems to be. I guess she did say it was a giant horse that was definitely overcompensating for something. So, <laughs> right but right and the only, argument is is that it's not just a logo that it's a it's a piece of art so it's meaning extends mm-hmm. past uh bringing in business and uh you know posing as a uh as a signal a visual right. signifier for the business right okay yeah clever and, so, and somewhat of a recall to where they talked about how chuck won that big case in the opening by citing mm-hmm. obscure case law so mm-hmm. she is citing obscure case law to win this case for Mesa Verde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, okay, so in this episode, I've noticed a bunch of connected ideas like yeah, that. Totally. There, there, there's a there seems to be a lot more. Maybe we missed a lot earlier in the series, but we're definitely noticing them more. But right, since like, the series kind of coming to its head anyway, you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of approaching the end game here. Yep, there's only one way it can end, my friend. Right. With there's Emma 14... Thompson winning an Oscar. <laughs> I was going to say there's 14 million possibilities, but we only win one of them. Mm-hmm. Avengers. That's true. Right. Infinity War. <laughs> right. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. 
who who'd have thought <laughs> somewhere somewhere there's a there's an earth of people watch there's 14 million earths watching the most depressing avengers movie ever <laughs> <laughs> well do a little research it wouldn't be depressing because you know it's not the last one exactly mm. exactly okay back at it so kim keeps eyeing the the pd folder yeah she's like longing for it right right so she puts the mesa verde folder on top and the tape recorder she was dictating into on top it's, it's it's weird that she hides that right she hides that she's obviously hiding that from jimmy no she's hiding it from herself i took it as she was hiding she was putting the mesa verde on top of it so it's like i gotta do this i can't i'm time for this pd shit i need to get focused on mesa verde so that needs to be on top because i keep mm. just i keep looking at it mm. i took it as especially after uh you know a scene Further on in the show, she was hiding it from Jimmy. So remind me to come back to that, and I'll explain why. I don't think she was, but okay. Okay. Well, remind me to come back to it, and I'll explain why. Okay. I will. All right. All right. And, and super poignant moment, she finds Jimmy's doodles <laughs> and uh, business names. And ideas, yeah, because he's like, it's always Kim Wexler criminal, but then it's always Jimmy McGill with a different, you know, maybe I'll do... Real estate law. Maybe I'll do bank law, commercial law, criminal mm-hmm. law. And it has like all the different versions of the logo that he. Yeah, different versions of the Wexler McGill logo. Yeah. And she gives like, oh, that's the, that's so sweet smile. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's sweet. I don't know how, how I'm going to tell him I don't want to fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she made that decision yet. I was thinking she makes that decision later. I, I don't think she made that decision there. I think I think she, she's entertaining it, the option for sure. R- right. I I think it was more of like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> like like when a child shows you a picture of a house that they drew. You know, it's it's well more it's like, oh, that's it's, cute. It's but more you're like, not like more like when your boyfriend writes a poem for you or something. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's sweet. You know, he's doing this for me. Right, but you obviously don't share the sentiment. Yes. Right. That's what I'm getting. Oh, okay. At, so let that, me say it's it's when you uh, when your stalker writes a poem for you mm-hmm. yeah and you're like oh that's sweet but i just I, I, only, I only see you as a friend or somebody i don't even know mm-hmm. get out of my bushes or if you ever say i love you to or if you ever say i love you to somebody and they don't say it back it's the worst yeah it's the worst i haven't done it but it's the worst man i could only <laughs> i could only imagine and i don't know what i would do if i was ever put in that situation but uh not to deviate all right but the next morning <laughs> jimmy's juicing do. Huh? That's all we do is deviate. <laughs> Next morning, Jimmy is Jimmy's a juicing. I'm just saying that's why they call him Juicing Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we already addressed the fact that this is like the juicing craze of 2006? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you got you got to get the nutrients, and it's in the pulp. The nutrients and juice is in the pulp, which you could get which just is why by you eating extract, the goddamn fruit. Juicing extracts the pulp. Blending keeps the pulp. Mm. So do you eat the pulp? You, you juice it, and then you just eat the pulp? I just eat the fucking fruit. Yeah, that's what <laughs> most know. normal people do. It's- pulp is gross in drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be polarizing, but if you drink apple juice with the pulp, just get the fuck off my podcast. Apple juice. I've never had pulp apple juice. Orange juice, yes. And for my money, it doesn't get Did any I better. Did I say apple juice? Yes. Oh, f- I meant... I meant- for my money, when you're really thirsty, nothing goes down smoother than a bunch of chunks of little shit in your drink. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But it keeps your blood sugar from uh, spiking, so that's always a yeah. plus. So he, he's making the juice, and Kim brings up the therapist. And Jimmy confesses that he's not going, which I think we actually talked about or kind of saw coming that way. Didn't we discuss that a bit? I on think so. I think we, we figured Kim would get kind of upset about that, and that's when I think that's that's where she makes her decision, like, I'm going to move on. Like, I need to do something. Yeah, because this is this guy's this is going, going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did say he's on a path, though. Jimmy is on a path. He's got his whole little job going. This goes back to that previous scene we talked about where he's, like, explaining his situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we kind of we were on, on board with this already, where he's saying, like, you know, I didn't go to therapy. I got to move forward. You know, I'm on this right. path. I've The motors are turning, and uh, I got to get shit set up now so I'm ready to rock and roll in 10 months when I get my law license back. Right, man. Um he doesn't really portray that. I, I that's obviously the path, but the the way I took that the, that Jimmy said that, it was almost as if he was alluding to that he's just going to go off on this path as a phone salesman as a means to kind of distract from the activities that he figures he's already going to do on the side by selling phones. So that way, if he never goes, if he makes enough doing that, he doesn't have to go back to being a lawyer. So he's like hedging his bets. Oh no, I took it as. Uh... This is a temporary thing. I have a path, and my path is me getting my law license back in 10 months, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do then. Ah, I took it as... Because he's drawing I, the I, logos, and he's making the names, and he's already, but he's already he does, making plans. He he's, he's calling he for the know, damn sign in the next scene. He doesn't know that she has seen that, though. Right, but that doesn't affect that doesn't affect his motivations, though. I'm just saying I took it as him being devious and he's trying to convince her that like this whole cell phone thing is a good good idea, especially if cell phones start picking up or like getting dropped off like <laughs> at his apartment or whatever. Because we hadn't seen him be delivered to the salon yet, right? I yeah. think I took it as he was pretty much being as vague as possible and at the same time trying to convince her that cell phone manager is a viable path because if it becomes a viable path or it's something he pursues you see what I'm saying? Like I, mm-hmm. I took it as I took it as in his head. That was that was the easiest way to give himself the most options, right? Because he, he the plan is, as far as anybody knows, to go back to being a lawyer, right? Right. But then I'm thinking Jimmy's kind of devious, so Jimmy's seeing the payday with the phones also, right? Yeah. Which it could become big enough because that's how Jimmy thinks that he would probably need an alibi at some point of why. All of a sudden, he's so into cell phones, has all these cell phones, and is in the cell phone business, right? Because that kind of thing is kind of hard to hide, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, by saying, I have a path, if the cell phones take off, he has a built-in alibi because he decided to forego the law, even though he could get his license back in nine months and 24 days or whatever it is now, mm-hmm. because he already established that he has a path. So he's hedging his bets. Because he can either go back to law and do what we all know he's going to do, or if his get-rich-quick scheme on cell phones takes off, it doesn't look suspicious that he's a lawyer involved with a bunch of cell phones. It gives him it gives him kind of cover for if he's ever discovered to have all these cell phones and such. It, it gives him an out because he's like, I, I told you, I had a path, and instead of going back to lawyer, I became this hugely successful cell phone dude. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I don't. I totally disagree. I don't think he has any intentions of like covering bets or like he's going to be a cell phone salesman. He's just telling Kim, "I'm not going 
to see the therapist because I got to move on with my life and I have a plan. And I'm his not plan is purely doing this job for now until he becomes a lawyer. Because as we've seen this whole season, there is no plan B. It has to work. Okay. I don't think he was changing his attentions. I think he was giving himself. No, I don't. I don't think he thought that. He doesn't think that far into shit. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? I I just thought he was being devious. That's all. No. Well, he's being devious because I think he's he's giving excuses to not go see the therapist, which he clearly needs. Mm-hmm. I think Kim's right about that. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like. Oh, you know, it's not my grieving that's the problem. It's just that I got to keep moving forward and make money because I have nine months until I can do what I am certified to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, this bums Kim out, and she goes and uh, makes makes a in-person call to Schweikert and Coakley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, from, has a little impromptu meeting with Rich. From the Sandpiper case. That's right, and the Billy Gatwood case. Yeah, and sells him on the idea of a banking division. I also like how he asked her to sign her cast. Yeah. Like, do people still do that? Ha <laughs> ha. That's kind of charming. <laughs> right? Well, it's just kind of, yeah, kind of funny because he kind of, he looks up to her. That's a very good sign if she's mm-hmm. there kind of for an impromptu interview or whatever. And, totally. Uh, and then he offers his condolences to Jimmy. He's asking about Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So definitely establishing Rich Schweikert as a good guy. I was going to say, yeah, Schweikert seems like a solid dude. Yeah. He, ever since season one or two? In a one, show... In a show absolutely devoid of nice, solid dudes, Schweikert, who was kind of posted as somewhat of a douchebag when we first met him like in season one <laughs> and season two, and I guess season three, I guess, right? Right. He was kind of he was kind of played off as like the schmarmy kind of guy, but really, all things considered, as far as male leads or male storylines on this show schweikert's the <laughs> schweikert's uh the nicest guy only only nice guys are ancillary characters even ed begley jr yeah i keep wanting to call him stan sitwell but that's a different show <laughs> he came off as a pretty nice guy right so you know you, you don't get to be a main character if you're a nice guy because you have to break bad at some point yeah well i mean because this whole series and whole universe is, seems to be following a bunch of lovable dicks mm-hmm. <laughs> right just lovable lovable dicks so mike and gus start to plan the big brother house and they have wired and <laughs> were you were you expecting nacho to be sitting there in the dark when the lights came because <laughs> that's what that's the first thing i thought of is like brian's expecting nacho here uh, no, you showed it, I didn't you even... started with a dark room. I was like, he's going to think Nacho's sitting there. And then you see Gus and Mike walk in. Yeah, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> um, so I kind of I kind of uh, talked about this on preview with the prior. Remember, I was like, ah, oh, I hope they don't go into this whole thing about how they're going to make the fucking lab because we get it. There's a lab, right? Yeah. But actually, the whole setup of this, now I'm actually really intrigued to yeah, see be, the, the construction of the lab. I guess I shouldn't have sold them short and knowing they weren't going to take some sort of stupid shortcut where it would just be a bunch of construction scenes of like mm. Mark and a, or Mike and a hard hat or some shit bossing people <laughs> around. Now I'm, now I'm kind of intrigued by the fact that these folks have to live pretty much in a, in the facility and yeah. that there's, there's modular homes wired and plumbed mind you for them to live in. Right. And Mike's not going to discuss roommate situations cause he doesn't care who likes each other and who doesn't exactly. he doesn't want to hear about it. That's right? their call. He doesn't know these German yeah. fools. And I and I do like uh 
Mike, once again, is the HR manager going through all the stuff that they need, like, and end up with a soccer field and a bar well, and uh, treadmills, which have to be, have to be professional grade, mind you, because they're just going to run through the, uh, exactly. which I think Mike is way overestimating the amount that people like to run. <laughs> because I could tell you, I could grab how many people were there. There was like nine people. I could grab nine people and we could live in that exact situation for 10 months or whatever it is that these folks are going to live in that exact situation. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee the treadmill would <laughs> never be used or it would just be used like everybody else's treadmill is used. And that's to hold people's dirty or clean laundry. <laughs> well, that's sorry. the only thing. Well, here's the thing, Brian, is these guys are European. Mm-hmm. You know how much Europeans love to run in one place. Yeah, well, how are they going to smoke cigarettes? <laughs> Maybe they can install an ashtray on the treadmills because I have a bunch of European buddies. They all Those smoke people, cigarettes. They do. Yes. Yes, that's Europeans not, that's, love to smoke. Exactly. They haven't exactly. quite got the vape yet. How's that for stereotypes? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing that I noticed. It just came to me, actually. I was thinking mm-hmm. about this because I really noticed that when Mike looks in there and he sees just these two houses mm-hmm. and he's kind of like, dude, you're putting like a handful of guys in this place for 10 months and you just give them literally a building to sleep in. And Gus right. is like, what? Like, what more do they need? And he's like, everything that you need to mm-hmm. have a life and not fucking go stir crazy. Right. And then when Gus tells his story to Hector, which we totally called, mm-hmm. um, you realize like Gus grew up so simple. He doesn't know what it's like to have amenities. So right. he, he doesn't have that perspective where Mike's your typical red-blooded American. Right. And he's like, well, yeah, these guys need a bar, they need entertainment, they need everything because you got to keep them, not just keep them alive, mm-hmm. another running theme, just keeping right. things alive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, give them some shit to do because... They're going to go fucking nuts. They're going to go fucking nuts. mutiny. Right. Yeah. Uh, once again, Mike is a hell of an HR manager. One <laughs> thing I learned... Through this episode, though, is what a Sally Port is. I, I had also, never heard of that before. I also looked that up. Yeah, I had I had to rewind it and see if that's what he was saying. So <laughs> I, yeah, a I, Sally Port. I googled Salad Port. Salad Port. I had a lot of I had to do a lot of looking things up uh, from mishearing. Mm-hmm. It might be because I played a gig today, mm-hmm. so my ears are a okay. little ringy. But yeah, yeah. I, I totally looked up what a Sally Port was. Cool. Yeah. I thought I just thought that was neat. I liked it. We're not going to explain what it is, but now Brian yeah. and I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people look it up on Wikipedia. So on the next scene, we open up with Jimmy calling sign manufacturers. Oh, wait. No, well, yeah. I was going to say how it kind of struck me that um, Gus is like, make me a list, and then Mike just starts rattling shit off. Because when somebody tells me make me a list, I write it down and then hand mm-hmm. you the list. Because mm-hmm. he said make me a list, and Mike's oh, just we need this, this, and this, and then he leaves, and Tyrus comes in, and mm-hmm. then he just starts dictating it. Right. Well, well Ty- I would have wrote shit. Remember? Apparently, and he's going to remember. And he does because when we see it uh, later on, everything appears to be there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Big up to him. Big up, Tyrus. I would have forgot- forgotten what the hell we were doing the moment I walked into the door and there. <laughs> And saw the house and I'm like, wait, what are these for? I probably wouldn't have realized that. You'd be you'd be sitting there and then when all the treadmills got delivered, you'd be like, um, who ordered treadmills? Right. What 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 are, what are, what are, what are these for? 
what the hell am I supposed to do with this bullshit? Who's, who ordered the laundry racks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we moved to Jimmy calling sign manufacturers. That's uh getting the head over the skis a little bit, putting the cart before the horse, you know, counting your mm. chickens before they hatch and throwing them all in one basket. You right. need more cliches? Yeah. This I'm uh, out. scene was <laughs> the same as uh it kind of brought Jimmy back down a little bit from being a complete selfish dick. I think yeah, I think what how his reaction to this scene is related to how he reacts to Howard. It, it's it's that life's too short you know you have those moments where mm. you, you think you have all the time in the world and all of a sudden like you realize oh man maybe i should get moving on some things yeah but he just shows so much emotion there that he didn't show for chuck yeah and that's oh that's a great point that he cared way more about geraldine dying than about his own brother dying because mm-hmm. he and i was I thought there was going to be another caper when he asked if her like son got the, <laughs> got the uh, alpine Shep- figures. Yeah, the alpine shepherd yeah, boy. The alpine shepherd boy, but it seemed like he genuinely wanted the the whoever was in the will to get it to get it. Yeah, it, it, he asked but, about the memorial service. He he probably would have went to the memorial if he found out mm-hmm. earlier and stuff. Yeah, and he was kind of he was kind of choked up a little bit before he said that. So I was like, man, what a dick! <laughs> I was like, what a dick! But no, he he was genuinely stirred by the loss of uh, Miss Strauss. Yeah, and it's also his reflection on the the fact that he was he was little legitimately friends with these old ladies, and now he's mm-hmm. not because he's an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> and impressive that he he called back exactly you know finer details of the will. Mm-hmm. Well, he wrote it. Right. Well, I mean, but I mean, I, mean, he, I write. He and Chuck do have some things in common. Yeah, and and the whole the, the recall stuff is obviously one of them. Yeah, because he does that a lot. He recalls things and details from previous encounters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Poor yeah. Jimmy lost his friend and Geraldine, then he, and then he pulls out the old Saul Goodman directed tape and uh, and uh, a tear. Re- shed a tear. Yeah, sheds a tear over the scene where she sheds. I guess that would be water dropped on her cheek. Right. <laughs> I forgot about the overacting in that whole commercial. Man, yeah. that was awesome. How like, cheese dick it was. the camera crew again. <laughs> Single tear. Uh, fantastic. Single tear. Jimmy then meets Kim for dinner. Having a couple Moscow mules. Yeah. By the way, mules are a big thing nowadays. If you go out to bars, everybody has like a mule menu. Because hipsters watch Better Call Saul. Something I don't know. Trendsetters. I, they're, they're about four years too late on that, or something. <laughs> right? nah, it's like a hipster drink, probably, or something. Because you know, it's served in a copper mug, and it it tastes like acid. And it's you know, hipsters don't like things that taste good. It has to be something else, right? I, I yeah, I don't get the whole copper mug thing, but that's just kind of how it's done. Um, we went into that in detail back in the episode where the, we talked a lot about mm-hmm. the Moscow Mule. Did you notice that when he said when he walks up, he says, "Hey, Giselle." No. Yeah. He greets her as Giselle, which is the alias they use when they pulled scams. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did have to rewind it because I was like, what the hell did he just say? It wasn't Kim, you know. And then he's like, how? And then Kim says, how about we just be Jimmy and Kim? And at first I thought she meant like, like Jimmy had approached her as like lawyers. And then I rewound it and he's like, hey, Giselle. And I was like, oh, Jimmy's already ready to pull her into a scam again. 
Oh, good catch. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. Look at that. Where yeah. was that? That was right when he walked up to her at dinner. Nice. Dave, yeah. man, picking it up. I, I usually pick up things like that. That's great, yeah, man. Good. You usually do. Weird. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, way cool, man. I that totally slipped by me. Yeah. Um so when she is talking to Jimmy about her job for Schweikert though, um I I got hung up. She says she was offered a job, but that's a lie. She she went there looking for a job. Mm. Technically, she would probably have to be offered it though. I mean, she 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 had said like, "Here's my idea." You know, do you have a banking division? Uh... I took it as Kim being kind of devious. I took it as Kim. Okay. I took it as Kim. Yeah, I guess I guess that could because be her. She, she, she breaks kinda... Jimmy's heart, right? Because she saw all of his writings about their their law firm, and he's drawing fucking marquees and signs and shit. And so she would destroy him if she was like, I intentionally, because of that, <laughs> met with this guy. And, you know, she's walking yeah. it back a bit where she's like, oh, I, I met with Schweikert because he offered me a job so i think that's going to come into play in their relationship he's going to find that out i don't know because oh i didn't i didn't pick that up because she goes into detail and says like you know i'm gonna start the banking division and it's mm-hmm. gonna help me with mason right. verde she she explains it as if it was her idea i thought that's the way i interpreted the scene was yeah that- but if somebody offered you a job to do that be like oh because you could say the same thing i was offered a job at schweikert and Schwackity or whatever fuck it is. I was offered a job at, at Schweikert. And Coakley. And Coakley to start the banking division. And this is what I'm going it to do. It softens the blow. It softens the right. blow. Yeah. That's exactly what okay. she was doing. But I got you. it's also inherently dishonest. So I feel like. Well, yeah. Anytime you soften gonna, the blow, it's dishonest. I think that's going to come back around. I, I think Jimmy's going to flip out over that. I think something's going to happen where they're all in the same room. And it's going to be the thing where Schweikert is like. Oh yeah! It's, look how successful we are. I I didn't see. I did not anticipate this level of success when you came to me and pitched me on starting the baking division. And Jimmy's gonna be like, uh, "WTF? <laughs> OMG! <laughs> Mark my words, that's gonna happen." Okay. Okay. All right. Put it down. And we're we're disagreeing a lot more this season, which is nice. Yeah, we are. Instead of agreeing, yeah. all being so agreeable all the time. Exactly. Uh, Jimmy starts pushing Wexler, McGill, and Kim. Kim's not really biting. Um, <laughs> everything comes back. She's trying so nicely to say, dude, I am going this other direction. Like, I'm not breaking up with you yet, but just right. know, professionally, I'm distancing myself for you. Yeah, we had speculated that she was doing pro bono work, and this is where it was confirmed. Because I don't mm-hmm. think that was confirmed before. And the whole helping people. Yeah, and uh, I, I I was never sold on it until like here, like okay, it is pro bono work, and she is doing it to help people, which you were more astute to notice before I was. Mm-hmm. Actually, she's a good soul, right? And then Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy tries to like, oh, but you know, criminal law, we could both be criminal lawyers, but it would be yeah, it- Kim is a criminal lawyer and Jimmy's a criminal lawyer. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. That, he's I, I feel he's starting to he's starting to read the writing on the wall, right? Because when they yeah. were talking about the therapist, he he noticed her disappointment and how unhappy she was with his decision not to go see the therapist. Mm-hmm. And he, he I, I forget the phrase or noise that he made before he left the room, but he, he acknowledged that. 
Right. Well, he, and I, I he noticed. Was like, Whoa. Like, oh, or something like yeah. that. He made, he made some sort of verbal acknowledgement that she was very not fucking happy as he was on his way out the door. Yeah. Right. True. So then he gets in this situation where out of the fucking blue, quote unquote, Kim was offered a job. Things at, are going to change. Things It's going right, to change yeah. the future of Wexford McGill for sure. The walls are closing in just a little bit. So he's reading the writing on the wall. And she's like, well, I, I can do this. Because he asked her, why Why are you doing the, the PA work? She says she likes it. He's like, oh, well, yeah. We, you know what? What a coincidence. I like that too. Out of nowhere, yeah, totally, yeah. That's uh, let's let's do that shit. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, he's he, he's reading because he has those he has those instincts. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking about the first scene when he talks about nobody argues with Kim Wexler, which mm-hmm. was shown last episode with uh, Petty with a prior guy, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't push that hard, but he does push a little bit, and yeah. and and it kind of sets up more things. He's like, I'm looking at this. You know, this area, I want to set up my shop in one of these type offices in this area, which is what he does as Saul. Yeah. Right. You know, he's also, he's also taking her temperature a bit, right? Like seeing what she's open, open to, because I'm sure if she perked up, it's like, hell yeah, I want a shitty strip mall office. He'd be like, fucking great. We're going to do it. Like, but that's not, he's trying to circumvent, circumvent. (laughs) He's trying to. I was doing the rest of the development thing. He's trying to circumvent her way of arguing because he knows how she argues, and he's trying to like go a different route. But you just cannot, you can't win with, you cannot win against Wexler, man. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's kind of got one foot out the door, and I think he feels it. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I think, I think this is uh, it's kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah. So, yeah. so he. He does the whole like, oh man, I, I I gotta go hit the head thing, which means go stand awkwardly in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh I did notice on the back the place that they're eating is Fork, F-O-R-Q-U-E. And just in case you're curious, that's located inside the Hyatt Regency on 330 Tigers uh Avenue Northwest, Albuquerque, <laughs> New Mexico, 87102. And apparently their kitchen staff is hypnotic. They're hypnotic? Yeah. Because he goes in when he stares into the kitchen is when the Things start swirling and it's like, you know. Oh yeah, they do that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, where he just then, no. then he swallows it and goes back to the table or whatever. But he mm-hmm. lo- he loses it for a second. Yeah, so, m- much but, like yeah. I was about half an hour ago when the Bears game ended. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were quite <laughs> upset, right? So he, like he feels it, right? The weight on his shoulders. He everything's mm-hmm. coming down, man. Well, he just you know he's still upset about Geraldine dying. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like right. those, you know, bad things come in threes, you know, just kind of blow after blow. Things are coming to an end while he's trying to get things started. Yeah, he's kind of in the hot seat, right? Mm-hmm. This is how he makes other people feel, and now, <laughs> now he's oh, right. And they're there's terrible. an observation, right? And they're in their heavy and terrible situations. He takes advantage of it, and that puts people in these weird off-putting things to where it feels like Chuck, right? Right. Same fucking deal, man. Like, but the difference is, Jimmy can hide it because he does it to himself so much. Also, he's just—I think—he's used to getting over it and moving past things. Mm-hmm. And he's—he's uh, he's really good. He's and he's good at faking that he's hi- you know hiding it, faking it. Yeah, totally. Because all because all of a sudden now he's on board. Yeah, which is interesting because Kim even says in a couple scenes prior where she says, "Hey, let's go out for dinner," and. uh 
doesn't doesn't she allude to uh, that Jimmy can come with her to Coakley? I didn't get that uh, at Schweikert all. She said she has all these associates that'll ease my workload, so I can get back to doing you know public defender work or crim- you know criminal whatever petty work. Okay, um, I, might, I might have heard that wrong. I'll have to go back no, and watch that. And I didn't correct. That I didn't notice anything prior. about that. I think she's trying to separate from him because she's you know. Yeah. Finally, she's, she's always seen what he is, but she's finally starting to accept it, I guess. And it's it's not fun anymore. It's not cute anymore. Right. You know, it's time to get serious. And she's been distracted for a little too long. Mm-hmm. And because uh, life too short, as we said earlier. Right. She's she's got work that she wants to to do, and mm-hmm. he is uh he's like he's like a uh, an anchor just pulling her down, like possibly. Yeah, holding her back. Possibly. What's but what's Mike's. But I think that um, I think that the whole go for it, and he's like, you know, a lot can happen in ten months. So he's like, get out of the situation now. Let's address it later. I think that's what he's doing. He's like, oh, okay, I agree, go for it, blah blah. But then he's gonna try and weasel out another angle. Right. Exactly. Know? Right. His whole his whole deal is is uh, table it for now. Or or. Like, hey, no, that's that's great. I totally agree with you. And then in his head, he's already, yeah, he's already scheming. All right, so here's the deal. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna win her back by doing this. I'm gonna show her that I could be a success and be a lawyer and all this. So this is how I'm gonna win her back, and I'm gonna be so awesome that uh, Schweiker and Coakley will have no choice but to let her resign because she'll be so upset because she's involved with me that she'll want to quit, <laughs> like, like that kind of deal. Or he'll sabotage Mesa Verde so she gets fired from fucking Schweikert and Coakley. What if that happens? Oh, man. If he'd do it to his own brother. Yeah, because mm. it, it ends justify the means, right? But he did it for Kim. And this time he would be doing it for himself. So I don't know if that's quite in line with his character, but it could be. Yeah. He could sabotage that whole thing. And, you know, because sometimes when your woman gets out of hand. You gotta knock her down a peg or two so you can kind of control over her again. That's just life. <laughs> that's that's just nature. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. Mike goes to apologize to Stacy, who is the uh, least mo- <laughs> the least interesting character on the entire goddamn show. Yeah, I don't so much so she's boring. I mean, I I get I get her purpose, but there's such a lack of storyline. She's a walking oxycontin pill. Dude, just look she, just looking at her makes you get bored. It's like listening to me talk. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. It's just like, oh my god, and and I enjoy listening to you talk. But <laughs> oh, thank it, you. I get it. She misses Maddie, right? I think we all miss Maddie. I think right? so. I think, that's, yeah, I think, I think he was a cute little so. kid, man. He just wanted to write his name in cement and shit. Right. <laughs> right. She. Yeah. Man, I hope something happens with the character soon, because in a in a series just full of really interesting people doing shit. Uh, she's the odd one out. Well, she somebody has to be the control. Somebody has to be the baseline. So she's yeah, the I uninteresting guess. character because when you you have to have the uninteresting so you can see how interesting the interesting is. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so she's that. It's like yeah. you know the straight man in a comedy routine. Right? In a weird way, I feel like they're building to something with her. Right. But <laughs> right. I, but she's so but, goddamn boring and Breaking Bad too. Yeah, and and that's not the. Uh, <laughs> 
that's not the actress's fault or anything. No, like that. no, not like, at all. It's the characters. That's that's the way yeah. these characters are written. Totally. It's because every time the characters on screen, I'm just like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, come on. Yeah, she's gonna no. sque- she's gonna squeeze out a couple of words through that super dep- depressed mouth of hers, and yeah, talk I about Maddie some more and Kaylee. Yeah. I get it. You're sad. We're all sad. Although, sad. <laughs> um, okay, so I. Actually corrected myself though, because I was gonna say Mike apologized to Stacy. Mm-hmm. He never apologized. He was there to double down. Yeah, because that's the first thing he said. He never said I'm sorry. Because I don't think I've ever heard Mike apologize for anything. Have you? Nope. Nope. I have not. And then she tells him to call Anita. So she's super upset, but he didn't pour any concrete this episode, so we're not gonna see Anita. <laughs> I don't know why that's still kind. <laughs> The circumstance that our circumstance made it even kind of funnier the second time. So, yeah, <laughs> nope, totally agree. No concrete, no Anita. And that's that. What a bummer. She'll come back. There's going to be totally something where she comes back. Because yeah. Mike has to have a love interest, and obviously his life goes to shit and Breaking Bad anyway. So yeah. something's going to happen where she either confronts him and talks about how they're incompatible, which makes Mike more of a miserable human being, or... They actually fall in love for a brief mag- uh, moment, and then some sort of tragedy separates them because that's just how TV shows work. Yeah, and for the record, we did we had an, uh, a recording snafu, and I had this whole great thing about we had the, we had a great thing about mm-hmm. uh, why he would push Anita away if it's mm-hmm. because Gus is under is controlling Mike, or if he's if he's trying to keep her safe, or if he just doesn't care, or what did you say? He just wants his money I don't know. back. The, yeah, so <laughs> so here's the deal. We had a small recording snafu, so just imagine the most genius analyzation and prediction of Anita and Mike's relationship that you could possibly think of in my voice, and that's what we're going to go Oh, with. I was going to say, and that would be on another podcast, mm-hmm. and we just dicked around and made stupid jokes for the last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a new right. phrase. Okay. Wearing a hair shirt. Wearing a hair shirt. When Mike says you don't have to wear a hair shirt the rest of your life, she's like, oh, I'm never going to forget Maddie. And he's like, you don't have to wear a hair shirt the rest of your life. And she's like, neither should you. Mm-hmm. Also known as a psyllis. Okay. Or a sackcloth. Mm-hmm. And is a self-imposed form of repentance. Mm-hmm. I took it as just, uh, I just figured that would be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. So I, I, I just took it as, like, through context clues. I, I caught that he said that, and well, I just I, fig- I I just went with oh well he's you you don't have to be uncomfortable or burdened by this the rest of your life like you know. yeah totally but this is one of like the five things that I could not hear I mm. didn't understand what the fuck he said mm-hmm. so I googled it to make sure that I heard because I was like a hair shirt what the hell is a hair shirt so oh. I went yeah I had to go look it up because I've never heard that phrase in my life mm-hmm. okay cool learning stuff Sally Port hair shirt. That's right. There's a couple more things later. Mike is uh, quite educational this episode. Yeah. So is Gus. We'll get to that during the monologue. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy goes to HHM to get his check. He goes to Howard's End. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wants yeah. to get that money. He, he, he's yeah. got to get some paper, and he needs it ASAP because yeah. Howard tells him, like, dude, you could have waited till Friday. You'd have it. And he's like, no, nah. no. Nah. Mm. Need it. Well, no. he's going to want to cash it super quick now that HHM is collapsing. 
Right. They're undergoing right sizing. Yeah, you better run to the bank. Yeah, right sizing. I like it. Not downsizing. You're right. Right, right sizing. Sizing. Right. Exactly. A few setbacks. A few setbacks, like That's Howard's good. hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. Snap. It's not getting any better. He's not getting any better. Right. Yeah. Kind of a weird, kind of a weird exchange there. I didn't I I mean I liked it. You liked it. I liked it a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. The whole when I don't know if it's because Jimmy cares about Howard or if he just like hates to see people that give in so easily. Mm-hmm. I guess. Because he tells him to fight, you know. But his first thing is like, so what's the plan, dude? Like it's so natural to him. Yeah. Like, oh, you had a setback. What's the plan? How you gonna, how you gonna how you gonna make it right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go cash this check for $5,000, and I'm going to go make a bunch of money, like, right now. Mm-hmm. You know? So what are you doing? And Love then, the look on uh, PFAB's face when Jimmy calls him a terrible lawyer. Oh, yeah. And the, and the fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. It, yeah. You're a shitty lawyer, but you're a great salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of cursing in this scene. Yeah. And we get to hear the actual curse words, which is awesome. Well, I think they do on AMC, too. The people you that can't. watch it live, I think they get one fuck a season because in breaking bad there was one time that they were really? allowed to to use the uncensored fuck wow per season in breaking bad but i thought it, that was just a movie thing no so they saved it as like a, a pivotal moment in breaking bad all I, the time it's i with, think when a character a season or a oh yeah a season um one a season i think i remember wasn't it howard saying fuck you jimmy before i think it's come i think i think it's uh I think it's been said. It's definitely been said on this. It's been said. I I thought it was Howard saying "fuck you" to Jimmy before. Well, let's take a look real quick. Maybe one of our listeners will tell us. But yeah, and then like the whole like, uh, and the whole one little setback, which is it's not one little setback, but in Jimmy's mind, these things are just little setbacks. Yeah, like like a whole night's work getting stolen from you by some punk kids, just one little setback. Yeah, shit happens. And then Howard takes it, and then the whole like, oh, your pain is so special because Jimmy's hurting. On mm-hmm. several levels right now, he's going through some. His shit is actually worse than Howard's shit. I yeah, think. you know, and um, this goes going back, back worse than the Chuck thing for Howard. Mm-hmm. And, and I also uh, that part of the scene reminded me of Mike's whole calling out the dude at the grief counseling. Yeah, a lot of calling the, out, a lot of calling yeah. out on Better Call Saul because mm. Kim called out Howard. Right, pretty bad. And I, I'm just saying I went immediately went back to the scene because yeah. Mike's whole point was you guys wallow in your miser mm-hmm. in your miserable, you know, lives and you need to fucking move on. And here's Jimmy in his own way basically saying the same thing. And doing it too. And Mike's doing it and Jimmy's doing it. hmm I wonder if Kim's gonna call out Jimmy. That would be nice to see. Be a nice blow up, huh? Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I, I I love how they wrapped it up with the fuck you, Jimmy. And Jimmy's just like, there you go. Use that. Yeah. Like, there's your motivation. Mm-hmm. He should bill him now. <laughs> bill him for the counseling, for the uh, consultant. I think <laughs> I, bill I him think, a consultant fee. I think we've all been that uh, been there, been that guy to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be pissed at me as long as you use that energy to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I probably I probably been on that end of it several times. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a few examples, including me, <laughs> myself, and other friends. Yeah, well, what can I say? I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Short scene where Jimmy gets the phones delivered. 
to the it nail was, salon. Was, yeah, Mrs. Nguyen. Yeah, it's nice to see an Eileen Fogarty. She was so cool when she was on the show. She's a fan of the podcast, apparently. Yeah. I wonder if she still so, listens. Uh, probably not. But hi, Eileen. Case, <laughs> yeah, hi, Eileen. Um, I do like the progression. Uh, Jimmy keeps walking in, and she just progressively keeps trying to impede him. Right. <laughs> like, just waiting for him to stop. <laughs> yeah. And, and at least explain himself or <laughs> give her an opening to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Nope, he ain't, he ain't having it. He's just like, out of my way, excuse me. Yeah, even when she calls him out later, she like tries to think of all these excuses, and and she does a good job of acting that of like, okay, I need another excuse. What about what about this reason why you can't do it? Oh, yeah. What about this reason why you can't do it? Yep. Yeah. And then after paid off, she's like, uh, get rich quick schemes don't work. Because <laughs> she still taking the moral high ground, even though she was totally paid off <laughs> with well, the burner phone. That's kind of the theme of the whole damn series and mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, is that mm-hmm. yeah they don't work, and then the other guy is just like, well, watch me. Yep. In my case, it's going to. Mm-hmm. Like people that buy lottery tickets. Yeah. Suckers. Except for that one that wins. Yeah. <laughs> well, that guy that guy's a genius. Everybody else is a sucker. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Gus monologues. <sighs> that is the first thing I wrote Gus? down. Because we this we completely called in preview of the prior. Mm-hmm. Like I knew this scene was just gonna be Gus talking to Hector. Given some crazy parable about a loquat, tr- a loquat tree and a kawadi, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I never heard of either of these things. By the way, I I have not. I did either. Look them up to see um, what because this I didn't understand what the hell he said. It took me like three searches to figure out. <laughs> you know, these are apparently not indigenous to uh, central northern Illinois. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really really feel the need to discuss a, a monologue and go all the way through everything. He said line for line. He grew up poor. He nursed the tree back to health. He got pissed at this cat, ate it instead of killing <laughs> killing the cat. It's a raccoon like creature. See? Ah. Okay. Research. Raccoon. Well, whatever. Raccoon like. He he said it was about the size of a cat or something. Yeah. Something yeah, totally. about a cat. Okay. No, so I either way. Yeah, I cool didn't. backstory. We get it, right? Like mm-hmm. you you triumphed over adversity through your own cutting and ingenuity. Mm-hmm. I get it. My main thing about this scene was as uh, as Gus exited the room, um, and it kind of uh, in the foreground was Hector's hand. Mm-hmm. I so thought they were going to do the thing where now after the monologue, Hector started to awake. I thought I was, I was wait, okay. or even his they, little digit, like how he used to ring the bell in they, Breaking Bad. You know, they played us, dude. They totally played us on that. They I'm probably sure do. everybody was watching everybody was yeah. waiting for it to happen. And it didn't. In fact, I noticed that the finger was the only thing. That was the only finger you didn't see. You could see mm-hmm. four fingers, or three yeah. fingers and a thumb. Yeah, and exactly. you didn't see that finger. So everybody was waiting for him to raise that finger, and it didn't happen. Kudos, mm-hmm. you fuckers. Yeah, that made <laughs> that actually made the whole scene for me. That that seriously made me like yeah. that entire scene. Yes, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention. The whole monologue is just a parable for how he's going to treat Hector. Mm-hmm. And it's lit pretty amazingly. I thought mm-hmm. it was shot pretty amazingly. It's very dark. I was looking for Nacho in the background because Nacho likes to wait <laughs> in dark right, rooms. Dark, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was great. It, like, Yeah, nothing to analyze. It's just a parable saying what he's yeah, going to do. And, uh, like, but my, my attention was more towards how it was presented. How yeah. it was presented. Totally. The presentation was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like well written monologue, I get the motivations. I totally understand the backstory. 
I just felt like through most of it, I was just like, oh, yep, okay, yep, grew up poor. I'm sure there's some sort of hardship. But, yeah, oh, look, a tree that, like, nobody could get to grow, but, like, you overcame a bird. Oh, you yeah. you got the tree to grow, and and then, uh, although I did think he was going to kill the cat. I thought his revenge was going to be kill the cat and feed us to his family, and that's where it was going to end up was, you know, so I'll kill you in some sort of metaphor for that. But, nope, nope. the metaphor was he the kept whole- the cat alive, and therefore he's going to do the same for Hector. Because it was because it was more suffering for the cat. Because mm. the grand scheme, the entire point, Gus is extremely patient. Yeah, there you go. Moving on. Yep, moving on. Workers arrive to build the meth lab. They're digging it. Yeah, Kai's kind of a dick. Yeah, Kai, that's exactly <laughs> what I wrote. Kai is being a dick. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah, because everyone else is excited, but then as soon as. Uh, Mike is all like, hey, guys, HR meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some rules. And then Kai's just kind of like, oh, let me get my beer. Oh, I don't like this beer. Let me get a different kind of beer. You notice that? Yeah, kind of a, kind of a ballsy and, move. The whole yeah. time, I actually thought he was going to end up getting shot to be made an example of. My last note is that Mike's going to kill him. Yeah. I think Mike's going to I thought it to- was going to happen right then and there to kind of put the fear of God on him and be like, mm. don't fuck around. Because right. that's what typically happens in movies and shows in that situation. But Mike showed his patience. Mm-hmm. And again, I mentioned this earlier during the snafu, but um, am I the only one that notices the indents on the side of Mike's head that are put there from years of him wearing uh, eyeglasses outside of his acting roles? I have not noticed it, and I probably I'm will I'm just saying now. that because I stood next to the man when, when we went to L.A., uh, for uh, when AMC uh, graciously uh, sent us uh, to LA to watch a taping of uh, Talking Saul, and he was in glasses and he had a white goatee, and it, it stunned me because I was like, "Wow, you actually look kind of younger mm. in person than than you actually do on the <laughs> TV mm-hmm. show." Um, and for some reason, in this scene and the scene with his daughter. I, I noticed like the indents that the arms of the glasses have made over the mm. years of wear on the side of his head. I kept because it gives it like a really odd shape, and I kept looking at that the entire time. So now, therefore, everybody else is now going to notice mm. <laughs> is now going to notice the marks that his glasses have made from years of wear in real life. You will notice it in this show now. So well, thanks for that. Thanks for yeah. that, Brian. Absolutely. You know what? And I hope it's distracting. I hope it's distracting, and once you see it, you'll never be able. It's like it's like the arrow. It's like the arrow on a FedEx truck. Once you notice it, you will notice it for the rest of your life. Or the or the uh, Amazon logo goes from A to Z, and it's a smiley face. And yep. it's a smiley face, but it goes from A to Z. Exactly, because they have everything. Ever everything. Yep. Okay. So um, I do love the view outside of the building. <laughs> When Mike walks to the monitor <laughs> truck. And this is where I seriously started thinking, oh, they're on fucking Big Brother. This is exactly how Big Brother is set up. Well, yeah. There's a sound truck. Surveillance thing, yeah. Yeah. Because he does, he had a weird, like, when he's like, you want cameras outside and inside. You want to mm-hmm. see people coming in and trying to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, they're totally watching these guys. Especially Kai now. Yeah. But he he was magnanimous about it because he even said, they know we're going to be watching them, but we don't need to rub it in their face. Right. Mike totally. is a pretty decent HR manager. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, man, his crew's happiness, um, he, he understands that a happy crew is a productive crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Unless you're Kai. What do you think is going to happen with Kai? I don't understand. I think Mike's going to take him out. I think because I was thinking about this when you said you didn't want a whole lot to like focus on the construction. Mm-hmm. Right. So then yep. now they're introducing this character that's going to be a wrench in the spokes and he's going to be an issue yeah. and it's going to be another vehicle to cause more drama and have another side storyline. So this guy's going to mm-hmm. be questionable. He's got an extra yeah. eye on him. He's going to fuck mm-hmm. up. He's going to have to be made an example of because you can't let this guy like just go without paying him off or something. Right. Right? Yeah. So I think he's going to get buried underneath the meth lab, man. He's going to be part of the foundation. And when Mike pours that concrete over him, we see Anita. Yeah. Full circle. Okay. Nice. Nice. I like it. I'm not even going to comment. I like it. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then we move to the last scene. Not sure how I feel about this. Jimmy attempts to make a deal with the punks that roughed him up. Mm-hmm. Tries to cut him in. Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks a night, which I got $33.33 per person per night. Not bad. I thought Especially it was a hundred bucks then. a person. Oh, I took I it thought he was in for 300. <laughs> I thought he was in for 300 bucks a night. No, nah, well, I mean, maybe I, I took it as like, he would just give them collectively as a group $100. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, mm. and, I, and I was like, wow, 33 bucks. That's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> well, to do nothing, I'll take 33 bucks a night to do nothing. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, if anybody out there wants to just like Venmo me 33 bucks, first off, yeah. I'll figure out what the hell a Venmo is. And second off, <laughs> I'll take your $33. I'll take your Bitcoins. I mean, that's like two packs of smokes in Chicago, man. That is. You know, at least. Yeah, slightly punk less. Ass, punk ass kids probably smoke. Yeah, slightly less than two packs of Chicago uh, right. cigarettes in Chicago. Um, okay, so my thing about this, I like that he took off. Mm-hmm. I like that he kind of lured them into a trap. Totally. Kind of ingenious. Mm-hmm. Love the pinata factory. Yes. I love that it's Huel. Yep. I don't love that it's not QB. Obviously. Right? Um, only slightly love Jimmy becoming a badass all of a sudden. And then mm. I had this weird thought. I'm like, man, that's kind of silly. But then I forgot what exactly we're watching <laughs> at that moment because because he he obviously has to be involved in some pretty ruthless stuff, right? But in Breaking mm. Bad, he's pretty cowardly. Well, he is cowardly. I mean, he and we didn't even address the fact that he called the vet. We usually point out every time he contacts the vet because mm-hmm. he's answering all the questions about the goldfish. So I got to throw that in there. The vet right. was... In the midst of this nefarious scheme and all this legal activity, the vet had to make sure that Jimmy's taking care of the goldfish. Mm-hmm. This is pretty awesome. But yeah, um, he's having other people. He always has other people do his dirty work. That's part of being cowardly. So he, he right. didn't beat the kids. He didn't bring a gun. He could have walked up with a gun and been like, all right, you know, I'm going to tape your mouth shut. Yeah, but he was a lot more uh, street, I guess, as you could say, than he has been in the past. And then it got me thinking, what if at some point, he kind of gets too big for his britches. And there's a situation like that where he doesn't just get mugged. He gets uh, severely fucked up. And then he has to pull it back a bit. And he figures, you know, maybe I should just stick with the whole being smarmy angle. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about being like, a badass. I'm thinking he's trying about... to be like a gangster, right? He's like straight up mob bossing right now. Well, I think. It has to do with the fact that um, he was one of those kids. Well, yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he knows he knows how to intimidate those people because he knows what intimidates him. Mm-hmm. So he's able to like acting 
and get into that mindset <laughs> to be a badass because the kids mm-hmm. are tied up. They're not going to do nothing. Right. You know, because you go yeah. back to season one with the Tuco stuff and he was like pissing in his pants and right. begging for his life. and Right. You know. Which, which again makes me think that he's going to take his, his badass persona a little overboard and that's going to help him develop where he sits with Saul. Okay. Okay. I, that's, that's where I'm good. Cause I know he's obviously nefarious, right? He's not mm-hmm. a good guy and he's kind of a dick and he obviously has been involved with bad things. But mm-hmm. as I'm watching this, I'm like, that's a little too, it's like, it's like orange is the new black, right? Like the, the main shitty who, and not interesting. Exactly. No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just like they took the main character who was like this meek individual that got by on her cunning and then all of a sudden, she's the most, she's the biggest badass, even though she's mm. like five foot two and 120 pounds. And literally every person surrounding her could whoop her ass in prison. But she doesn't get shanked because people, for some reason, are afraid of her. That's right. kind of how I felt about this scene. It's like, where, where did he become? Only because it's punk ass kids. Bruiser. I think it's just, it's just because it's punk ass right. kids. Right. And I think, I think that's going to embolden him. Yeah, right, maybe. like I think that's going to embolden him, and I but think I, he'll get a dose of reality, and then that'll kind of cull him a bit, and that just helps with the development of the overall um, solness. Maybe, but I, I don't. I didn't think that because I just think like he's just calling out these kids. He wouldn't do this to like Nacho or Mike or some other. You know, mm-hmm. you can always see he's very submissive towards Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, hey man, let's go create another, do another scam. Hey, you well, that's what I'm saying. What if? What if he tries to pull that badass shit because he's riding high with mm. Mike? Mike just fucking dots him in the nose. Maybe, but I don't. I don't think so. But it's it's okay. a very it's very plausible. So mm. I will give you. We haven't done any points today except for Emma Thompson. So I'll give yeah. you a point for that. What Emma Thompson or Emma Watson? Emma Thompson. Okay. Uh, I well, that's good because I just called her, and she says she agrees with me. So we're gonna give five more t- points to Emma Thompson. Oh, there you go. And I think I've been saying Emma Watson. No, you've been saying Emma Thompson. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Totally. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's like a major plot point. I'm just saying, just I guess. Maybe see, like I a guess, little a little hitch and a giddy up in a later episode. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's where that's going. He miles off to somebody, gets too big for his britches, gets punched in the face, has to explain it to Kim, can't think of a good lie, and she leaves him, and then goes and dies. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's how it ends. Yeah, series over. Q to uh, being in the desert. <laughs> and I hope we never see Jesse and Walt. God, that'd be so awesome. I hope we never see Jesse and Walt. I kind of agree. You know what? Somebody yeah. somebody oh, brought up a good point. I can't remember where I saw it. That maybe the gene stuff could be happening while Walt's away. Walt's still alive. That could no, be Walt yeah. driving. No, it could be Walt driving the cab. No, my favorite one so far is uh, somebody said it was Howard. That's not bad. Uh, that's not bad. I could see that. I could totally see that. I could see that in the eyes and everything like that. Howard's reduced to driving a fucking cab. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to have to look back at our comments. I'm not even sure if we covered that in a preview with the prior, but we It'd really messed some, up if it was Kim. Somebody, <laughs> <laughs> somebody messaged us and... Uh, Somebody messaged us and predicted that it was Howard. Not bad. I, I know we I know we got Nacho and some of the other things, but mm-hmm. but I remember being stricken by that. I was like, holy shit, that is great. I never thought of that. I'm gonna put that on the show. So 
Um, I'm going to try to track that down, whoever you are. So if I, if I can't track it down, I totally apologize. And that is not Dave or I's idea. But one of our listeners is is making the bet that it was Howard. And it would make sense as I sit there and look. And when I heard that, I actually went up and um, tried to find quick pictures real quick of what the guy's eyes look like. And my, from my memory, it makes sense. I just mm. haven't really yeah. put tuned it together. Maybe we should do that before preview with the prior. I'll try to track down their name. But um, I like although, that theory. Man, although, that'd be great. Although, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Gene would react that way if it was Howard. Unless he never saw the face and only saw the eyes, I think he only saw the eyes. Man. Uh, then, then yeah, that's plausible. Uh, because there was a lot of uneasiness there, right? Like, right. But if like, I was it, uneasy, it could be interpreted would... not only is he scared, but maybe there was a little bit of right. Well, I mean, shit. He was like, man, this guy. He was feeling like the dude recognized him, right? Right, Jimmy was Jimmy. Part of the yeah. thing that skeeved Jimmy out is he thought that the dude recognized him, right? I don't. Yeah, he just who would recognize him better than Howard? Yeah, that's true. But I would have looked around and like changed the angle of the mirror and trying to see the whole face. Personally, I would think instead of just like, oh, look at your eyes are creepy. Let me get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? You never know what you would do in you know, that situation. Exactly. And, and I've plus, never, if he, if I've he, never been in a cab with a guy with an Albuquerque Isotopes fucking uh, cab air freshener, so. Exactly, exactly. But yeah. the Howard Hamlin, that's what I like. I'm digging that. That's okay. awesome. I like that. I, I would rather have that than like when people are like, Walt's alive. Like, no, he's not. He's fucking dead. Or, or then running into like a 40-year-old Jesse or however he's supposed to be now. That's kind of lame. But like Howard, that'd be a cool. I, I think that'd be kind of cool. Just a disheveled. Yeah. Because cause, I mean, look what happened to his law firm, right? right. So like it's things are kind of lining up. Going downhill, downhill, downhill. Yeah, I wish I would have thought of that myself. Okay. Well, here's, so, another uh, one. here's another one. Mm-hmm. Last episode opening scene, mm-hmm. people trying to destroy my theory about Kim dying, saying that Jimmy sends Francesca to Kim. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about this at the time. Why the hell would he have to tell Francesca that Jimmy sent you? Francesca worked for Kim. Okay, that was my original thought when somebody brought that up, because I, I I think I actually began to say that when we talked about that in a preview with the prior, and then we we just went off on something else. So I originally thought that too, but then I thought, taking his personality into account maybe he was being cute that's why she just kind of like like scoffs at it oh god damn it i don't want you to be right because that's solid (laughs) you know you know what i mean like because because he's kind of like that with the whole like hey hugs it's like it's it's, it's a callback to the past era tell him jimmy sent you because he goes by saul now so tell him Mm -hmm. jimmy sent you and then they both have that little moment of oh you fucked this all up yeah well, it wasn't even like, oh, it's just she's just like you fucking idiot. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's uh that's uh, mm. that's what I that's what I thought is uh I had that thought originally, but then I was like, Oh, he was he was being cute. He was trying to be he was trying to inject some humor into a very intense situation. But it seems so sincere when he gave her the number and was like, Here, call this. No, lawyer. he he wants her to call. Yeah. But but then he knows if, if it's Kim then he's trying to be yeah. like trying to be quiet. He's just like, well, oh, fine. I'm gonna have to edit this whole section out because now I look like an idiot. No, call us idiots. Call us geniuses. Whatever, just call us. <laughs> it's all good.